Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. So I just spoke to a friend about Apple's upcoming M1X chip. I know a lot of you aren't really tech nerds, and you might be wondering why you should care. Well, hey, as you'll hear my friend say in just a moment, our whole society is kind of based on chips now. So you really should stop being a degenerate and start caring. Now, before we get started, I just want to throw out a few quick definitions, just so everyone listening understands exactly what we're talking about. Apple's computers used to run on these Intel x86 chips, but they just last year switched to their own ARM chips, the M1s. ARM is an acronym, by the way, it stands for Advanced Risk Machine. Apple has been making their own ARM chips for iPhones for many years, but they just started using them for their computers as well. They're about to come out with the M1X, which is their second iteration of these ARM chips for Macs. If you didn't really understand what I just said, those were just definitions so you have a little bit of clarity going into the conversation. I promise you'll get them by the time you're done with this podcast. By the way, if you enjoy this podcast, please sign up for our mailing list. You can find the link at the bottom of the show notes. It's sundayspecial.substack.com if you're too lazy to scroll all the way down there. Every week, we send one article about what's happening in the world of tech and business. It's funny, it's well-written, and it's not boring. Anyway, enough from me. Here's the conversation. Hey, how's it going, man? So today, we're going to talk a little bit about chips. So a little bit of background here for those of you in the audience. MacBooks ran on Intel chips for the past uh, 20 years or so, but now they've just switched to their own ARM chips, which are currently mostly used for smartphones. So look, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a coder. Why should I care about these chips? Hey, yeah, uh, that's a great question. So chips power the devices that we all use today. So, you know, the past, you know, like 20 years, as you mentioned, there's been explosion of so many more devices, right? We've gotten mobile phones, um, portable music players, gaming devices, and at the brain of all of these are chips that use transistors to run the code and the logic. So you interact with chips every day without even knowing it. So it's important to know about these chips because if they improve as rapidly as uh, Apple has done with their M1 chips, then you're gonna be getting a uh, lot better end product. And it's also important to note here that uh, an industry, there's this thing called uh, Moore's Law, which basically states that um, performance will double every year, right? And that's because the, the rate of improvement is so rapid and we're uh, improving each year with double the performance. And that's why you can see that your laptop from like 2012 can't stand uh, to compete with a laptop from today. It's because the rate of improvement is so much that these older devices um, will, just won't be able to compete with how what you're used to today. I mean, there's more computational power in an iPhone 4 than the Apollo 11 shuttle. Right, and we've just gotten better since then. 
So can you tell us a little bit about the history of these Apple ARM chips? They've been in iPhones for quite some time now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Um, Apple has been making their own ARM chips for the iPhone since uh, 2010. It's what called the uh, A series processor. So they have like the A6, 7, 9, 12, and so on. So each each iteration of the iPhone that comes out every year uh, usually gets a new version of the um, A line of ARM chip. And uh, uh, ARM chips are generally better for mobile devices because traditionally mobile devices don't need as much power as say a uh, tower computer or a laptop they need to prioritize battery life because they have limited battery on board and they're not plugged in directly. So uh, with the PC, you're always plugged in. The power supply unit needs to be plugged into the wall. Uh, laptops also have a little bit better thermal management with the fans and whatnot, and they can be plugged in for a majority of their usage if needed to be. Uh, but phones are generally meant to be extremely mobile. That's uh, due to their size and people want to be moving around with them. So ARM chips were a better choice over x86 because, uh, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, x86 is the traditional uh, instruction set that Intel is based on and AMD. But uh, ARM chips have also steadily improved in performance due to uh, smartphone demand. So, you know, every year we get a new iPhone and uh, the Android competition is uh, very similar. So, you know, this new Samsung phone that comes out, new OnePlus, and they're just getting better and better is because there's a huge demand to get uh, a faster phone, uh, a nicer phone. So because of this, ARM chips have to also meet the demand and increase rapidly. Uh, mobile gaming is like a perfect example. It's a very new idea and one that is not, would not be possible unless the hardware allowed it. The biggest technology difference between the M1 chips and uh, the x86 chips that traditionally exist, right? So M1 runs on the ARM instruction set, whereas uh, Intel and AMD chips run on the x86 instruction set. So the in instruction set is basically the language that the computer used to talk to the uh, CPU, uh, which is like the brain of the device. So ARM stands for Advanced uh, Risk Machines. And uh, risk is basically the underlying technology. And risk stands for a reduced instruction set. Um, x86 uses uh, CISC, which is a complicated instruction set. So basically, uh, the name says it all. Uh, reduced instruction set has a, uh, a lot less uh, amount of instructions that can be used and CISC has a lot more. Um, so traditionally this used to be an advantage because with CISC you could do a lot more because it was already there in the hardware. But as the uh, rate of improvement for software developers has increased rapidly and uh, software development has gotten better and better, although in terms of hardware, the uh, risk machines don't have everything uh, preloaded. They have all the uh, essentials needed to perform and uh, achieve the same functionality as CIS machines. They just need a little bit of help with software. So uh, 
because of this, you know, more and more software talent has gone into ARM development to get the most out of these ARM chips and to be able to uh, perform the same actions as CISC with better efficiency and uh, using a lot less energy. Got it. Got it. So Apple was kind of known for, I guess you can say, forcing developers to do what they want. Kind of like when they got rid of the USB port on their MacBooks. So it's been estimated that around 30% of developers use Macs. What kind of impact is this uh, shift to these ARM chips going to have on them and the kinds of apps that they create? Yeah, so these ARM chips are going to give them uh, a lot better performance with better efficiency and battery life. So if you're work if you're working on uh, one of these M1, so the new laptops that just came out in November of 2020, it was the Mac Mini, the uh, MacBook Air, and the 13-inch MacBook Pro. These are the currently the only Apple products that run the M1 chip, um, but they have better performance, efficiency, and battery life. So you can run the same application and the same workload and have, you know, still a lot more battery and the fans won't even spin up in the 13 inch. The uh, MacBook Air and the Mac Mini don't even have actual fans needed. So it's a huge improvement in performance. But in that point that you mentioned about USB ports on their MacBooks, I think this happened around uh, 2016, 2018, where they introduced uh, the MacBooks with only one type of port, right? This was the USB-C port. And this was uh, kind of like a traditional Apple move because they were trying to force you to do what they wanted, right? They did this with the iPhone. They got rid of the uh, 3.5 audio jack and they said, okay, here, here's the AirPods, perfect solution. Or they uh, changed out the um, traditional iPhone charger with the lightning cable because the lightning cable had better performance, but they kind of didn't really, I don't know. I don't want to say they didn't care, but I mean, they kind of did ignore all their traditional Apple users because they had so many devices and accessories that use the traditional um, iPhone charger, right? There used to be those, uh, iPhone chargers that you could use for your iPod or iPhone, and it would be a speaker as, also, as well as a clock. And that would be completely useless with this new iPhone that came out with the lightning cable. In the same sense, if you had a very expensive pair of headphones that used the 3.5 jack, that would be completely useless with the newer iPhones. But that also allowed them to push the technology, right? So in the example of the headphone jack, the the AirPods were a great product and one that didn't really have a demand until Apple made that artificial demand. So the same case happened with the USB-C ports. USB-C was a relatively new technology, but it was very promising because it had the power to actually transport a lot of uh, electricity, like power. So you can use it to charge your iPhone or sorry, um, your MacBook, but you could also use it to transfer a lot of data. So it was a lot faster than the traditional USB C, the USB, uh, port. So they pushed developers and third-party manufacturers to create new accessories, right? That's why we got monitors with USB-C cables to connect directly to your new MacBook. We got, 
uh, flash drives to uh, have USB-C so you could transfer data faster because of the technology. But the demand was because there were so many people with these MacBooks that only had USB-C ports uh, and the same with keyboards and mice. Um, so it really, Apple really, you know, pushes the envelope to force other people to um, do what they want. So with these new uh, Macs, the biggest hurdle is the actual software and the applications, because uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, traditionally x86 is what the industry standard and what everyone uses. But now that they're switching over to ARM, a lot of these software uh, applications need to be uh, rewritten in order to run on these uh, new ARM-based machines. So it, I think that once the software applications are, be able, are able to be optimized on ARM, it'll give all the users uh, a lot better performance, efficiency, and battery life because the hardware is there. Now we just need the software leap and bridge to give the users what they deserve. Okay, so we'll come back to that in just a second. Right now, I do want to mention, you know, Apple was previously using chips from Intel. Uh, Intel's not taking the breakup very well. It looks like they stole Justin Long, who used to be the Mac guy in the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC commercials way back in the 2000s. Uh, Steve Jobs is probably rolling over in his grave. Apparently, he watched the movie Herbie Fully Loaded, and he said, wow, that movie was trash. But that one guy was pretty good. And then he hand-selected Justin Long to do the commercials. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I did I did see that that series of commercials. Um, I don't know. I thought it was just, you know, kind of funny because it, it kind of shows how like weak or uh, kind of scared Intel is because when they made you know the contract with uh, Max and like early 2000s um, and for that longest time Intel was pretty much you know the market leader without any competition they had so much market share and they they've slowly been getting you know pushed out with AMD's processors uh, their CPUs are getting better and better each year and it's getting to the point where Intel's kind of you know really losing so now to know that you know they're guaranteed revenue from Mac because uh, they knew that Mac would buy a bunch of chips. There's so much demand for Macs, but now that Mac said no, we're done with you, Intel. You can't keep up with us. Um, they're just kind of scared. They're taking cheap shots because they know they can't really compete in terms of specs and hardware with these new um, M1 chips. Yeah, I was actually reading the comments for that ad right before this. So first off, the video had twice as many dislikes as likes. Uh, one of the top comments said, as Loki said, you must be truly desperate to come to me for help. So it's not getting a great reception, honestly. So anyway, you, you were talking about how um, developers are going to write applications specifically for ARM chips. What does that mean for guys like me that own MacBooks? Yeah, so... Well, for current Mac owners, so if you own a MacBook right now and it's not the new M1 MacBooks that came out in uh, November 2020, then you're still running the uh, Intel chips on the x86 platform. And there's pretty much no change for you, right? So you're still going to have um, all software applications are built on x86 and run x86. So there's no really 
uh, difference for you. But for the new Mac one owners, um, it could be a problem depending on your workflow. So uh, like I mentioned before, uh, all these software applications, so by applications I'm talking about like, you know, Microsoft Word, Adobe Photoshop, um, all the apps uh, you have on your computer, they need to be uh, converted and translated to ARM from x86 in order to run on the uh, new M1 Max. So if you're if you have like a really niche and uh, weird you know workflow workflow, then chances are you might be in trouble because the software you're using might not have the developers to actually come out with an armed version of the application. So it, you might run into a lot of problems using the new Max. But all the uh, bigger software uh, developers have introduced uh, M1 variants, or sorry, ARM-based variants of their um, software. So like, you know, Adobe Premiere, Microsoft, uh, those are the biggest ones, you know, Chrome. Um, the the new Mac, uh, M1 Macs also did come preloaded with the ARM versions of their own software. So Safari, uh, you know, had extensive tests with ARM and came out already optimized for ARM on the new MacBooks and it runs, you know, pretty much flawlessly. But another big key uh, advantage to uh, Apple versus Windows in terms of ARM is that Apple has a uh, translation layer known as Rosetta and Rosetta basically in real time takes x86 software runs it through Rosetta to translate it and it gets translated and fed into the M1 processor which then does the processing. So this is pretty wild because uh, Windows has also talked about you know moving to ARM and having an ARM version of Windows um, but they're having a big problem with that translation layer. So they have a bunch of software that you know just doesn't work or has a bunch of bugs because they can't translate it properly. But Rosetta seems to be working pretty well. And uh, it's pretty wild because I've seen tests where they have uh, an ARM Windows machine. So it's Windows made for ARM and they run a actual ARM application. And then they have a MacBook, like the M1 MacBooks that uses a, a virtual machine and that virtual machine uses Rosetta to translate it to the M1 chip and it actually runs faster than the Windows machine. So that's pretty wild and just shows how good these new chips are. Wow, that's incredible. So uh, what's it gonna be like for companies who are switching from x86 to ARM? Yeah, so ARM is more software reliant and x86 is more hardware reliant. I talked about this a little bit earlier, but basically ARM has very limited instructions it can perform, uh, but with software, they can bridge this gap. And these instructions can be combined and manipulated to get the same result as any complicated sys construction. x86, on the other hand, is very hardware reliant. So it has these complicated instructions pre-built uh, in the hardware of these chips. It becomes these built-ins are not util if they're not utilized by the developers, it becomes more of a liability. So 
you know, software talent is obviously not cheap. You know, we hear it all the time about these crazy software developers with insane salaries, but it's on pace to grow more and more steadily and with even better talent, right? So we're making so many software developers coming out of the top universities and even being self-taught because there's a huge demand for it. So as the talent gets better and there's more of it, it becomes cheaper to make these software solutions for ARM processors. Whereas in the past, there was only so many software developers to make these ARM solutions and there was actually more hardware developers. So it's a little bit easier to just have the solutions hardwired in, but now there's more software developers and it's easier to do the software solutions. But yeah, basically the company has just got to throw a lot of money at it <laughs> and they'll be able to convert their applications to run on ARM. Uh, another interesting thing to note actually is uh, I mentioned how more efficient x86, I mean, sorry, uh, ARM is compared to x86. So that efficiency, efficiency means that the computer will use a lot less energy or sorry, a lot less power, right? Uh, in order to do the same workload. So that actually, if uh, a lot of these uh, computer centers and data centers switch to ARM overnight, let's say with all the complications are just solved magically and it happens, they're looking at, you know, close to like 30 to 40% reduced utility bills. So they're going to be saving a lot of energy because data centers basically are just, you know, energy hordes. They use so much energy because they need to run the cooling and the fans because these chips get really hot. So if you have an ARM chip in your data center, they don't need as much fans and they use a lot less energy. So you actually get your money back and your ROI is great because you're saving money on the energy end, which is also good for the environment. Wow. Yeah, that's quite the reduction. All right. Last question from me. Uh, are you going to buy a laptop with an ARM chip anytime soon? Yeah, actually, I'm seriously considering it. So I have never really been like a fan of Apple. I've always respected Apple, but I always felt like their, you know, quote unquote, Apple tax was just, you know, didn't seem worth it to me. Um, you know, because I thought they looked sleek and the UI was nice, but I was like, you know, I can get the same things done with the Windows machine or uh, with uh, Ubuntu or, or Linux machine is what I use right now. But these these new chips, uh, you know, the M1X, that chip is rumored to be coming out in, in November 2021. So, you know, in typical Apple in typical Apple fashion, it's a year. Uh, year on year improvement. And these new chips, you know, sound pretty wild. So uh, the current M1 chip is an eight core processor. And these new ones are rumored to be either 12 core or 16 core, uh, which is insane. <laughs> so not only is, you know, the processors are going to be really great, but the actual hardware, uh, MacBooks have great screens. And this new uh, MacBook Pro is going to be a 14 inch. So it's a little bit bigger than the 13 inch, which is perfect because I always thought the 13 inch was too small and the 15 or 16 inch was too big. So this is a very nice middle ground. Uh, it's going to have mini LED, which, you know, it's just going to look beautiful. It's the closest you can get to OLED without actually having OLED. And it's going to have more ports. So uh, I think this is the first time we've seen Apple kind of backtrack. 
to offering just um, the USB-C. They're going to have more ports, you know, supposedly. This is all rumors, but that's something I would really like to see if they did have more ports, like, you know, specifically uh, USB and uh, HDMI. Those are the ones that are most important to me. Uh, I'm going to bring back the MagSafe charger, which I think is more uh, nice for traditional MacBook users. I, I've never really had the MagSafe charger, so for me, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but, you know, it sounds performance-wise like it can't be beat. And uh, hardware-wise, Apple's always been, you know, pretty much the top of its class. So I'm seriously considering it. I don't know if I have much need for it because I already have... Um, you know, two or three computers. So yeah, I'm kind of a nerd. So I might get it just because it's something cool to have, but I don't know if I really need it. So it'd be hard for me to justify it, but yo, know, man, I am, I'm salivating looking at the specs of this device. It's so nice. That's a really nerdy thing to say. Uh, just for the <laughs> audience, um, I think we were talking before this podcast and you said something like, Right now, these ARM chips are really only going to be helpful if you're doing some really technical stuff, like maybe some hardcore video editing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So for most users, um, they're just going to be using a browser, right? And that's the whole reason like uh, Google has their uh, Chrome Chrome devices. Um, so the Chromebooks, right? Like all that is is pretty much a device that only runs a browser. So they have, you know, Google Docs, Google Sheets, all that kind of stuff. All that stuff runs in the browser. So for most typical users, they're doing everything on their browser anyways, right? Uh, chances are they might not be using Microsoft Word or PowerPoint or Excel. They're just going to be using the Google variants or they might not be using, you know, like the Windows Music Player, I think, or like VLC Player. They're actually watching YouTube videos, right? So if you're doing all your work on the internet anyways, you know, sending emails, watching YouTube videos or stuff like this, then the M1 chip is awesome for you because you don't really have that need or demand. But if uh, you're a more, you know, professional user, then the M1 chip becomes even more important to have because you actually need that performance, right? And if you need that performance and the software supports the translation and can actually use all the power that the M1 chip has available, then your workflow is going to go a lot smoother and a lot better, right? So depends on what type of user you are. Right, right. And I'm sure Apple is kind of, kind of similar to what happened with the USB-C ports, right? They're kind of forcing these smaller developers to, to get with it, right? So they can actually build ARM applications. Yeah, and I think you mentioned earlier that, you know, 30% of people use MacBooks. And I think that's, it's crazy to think because, you know, usually when you see these numbers, you're kind of surprised at how small of a market share uh, Mac OS has because I feel like almost everyone I know uses a Mac, right? I mean, you see them all around, but actually in raw numbers, it's a lot less, which is very surprising. I think you looked up at the statistics of like designers too, right? They prefer to use Macs over Windows hands down or, or a pretty big portion of them use Macs. So for them, uh, I'm sure this would be, you know, a really, really welcome change. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I do want to uh, throw in a quick little clarification there. It's 30% of developers use Macs. I yeah, I think uh, the overall market share for Macs is actually pretty small. I think it's just 10%. But as you said, um, with young people and with designers, especially, it seems to be a lot more. Yeah, I mean, you can go to any university in the United States and you'll see everyone holding up an iPhone and a MacBook, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, Apple's got the hold on the youth. Well, anyway, that's all my questions. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your insight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, guys, hope you enjoyed that conversation. We always love having KB on. He's an awesome guest. Anyway, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a great Sunday.